The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello again. It's been too long. We've got an emergency podcast situation for you right here on the last day of April because Wake Forest needed all of five days to name the coach, to find the guy who's going to replace Danny Manning and Winston-Salem. Let's get to it right now. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, April 30th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me in the Wake Forest job that opened Saturday has been filled. Steve Forbes is the Demon Deacons' new head coach. He just went 130-43 and 43 in five seasons at East Tennessee State, won two Southern Conference titles, never finished worse than third in his league, secured auto bids to the NCAA tournament twice, including this season. Some additional background for those unfamiliar. Steve Forbes is a 50-year-old Iowa native. Before landing the head coaching job at ETSU, he was an assistant for Greg Marshall at Wichita State, also worked at Texas A&M for Billy Gillespie, at Tennessee for Bruce Pearl, coached Northwest Florida State, a junior college for two years before moving to Wichita State, went 62-6 and six in those two seasons. So in his past seven seasons as a head coach, Steve Forbes has gone 192-49. and 49. That's a winning percentage of 79.7. Not bad, Norlander. Fair. Please provide your thoughts on Steve Forbes to Wake Forest. Great hire. I, w- I was talking with a few folks over the weekend when this was all in its early stages, and I said then that if of the candidate pool that was known to be the case, uh, and that was Steve Forbes, UNC Greensboro's Wes Miller, Winthrop's Pat Kelsey, Charleston's uh, Earl Grant, and Ryan Odom of UMBC, Steve Forbes would would be would have been my pick. I, I just find him to have been the most reasonable pick. We talked about it on the on a previous podcast. Oh, yeah, three podcasts in a week time. It's like the season never ended. We're going to have to take a little bit of break after this one, so enjoy this podcast. Folks, um, Forbes would have been my pick uh, because of his previous runs in power conferences, having navigated the recruiting landscape there, which, make no mistake about it, is different than when you are running a program at ETSU. Uh, obviously, has the gaudiest record. What wound up helping the search process, by the way, was the fact that, and this might have been out of uh, somewhat out of necessity, but John Curry, uh, every single candidate for the job was within driving distance. So if and when in-person interviews needed to be done, they could be done, uh, albeit obviously we would have to hope and assume in a social 
distancing appropriate kind of way. Uh, I had a source tell me that Forbes and Wes Miller were the two candidates that were afforded in-person opportunities, and Forbes, uh, he gets it done. I assume you're with me, Parrish. This is... This is the best. I mean, I don't know if there are really many any bad options, but to me, Forbes made the most sense as the best option. You agree? I, I do. I, I love it. Um, more than anything, I'm just happy for, for Steve. And we can get into his story a, a little more for people who, who don't know it. But, you know, to be where he was sitting in 2011 and end up here in 2020 as the head coach of an ACC program is a, a, a pretty remarkable thing. Um in addition to meeting with John Curry, like I was told, he also was on a Zoom call with Tim Duncan and Chris Paul, like two of Wake Forest. <laughs> okay, how do uh, we? How do we famous. think? How do we think Tim Duncan's doing on a Zoom call situation? By the way, <laughs> I, I didn't ask that specifically. <laughs> I just know that it was something that um, you know that John Curry was trying to connect the past with um, the the likely future, and so that happened. And um, it's tremendous. It's, it, you know, I, I think people in the coaching profession will generally be happy for for Forbes because, um, you know, he's a coach's coach. He's a guy who's bounced around like he's really grinded to get where he's at. And, you know, I, I referenced in 2011 that, of course, is when he and everybody else at Tennessee, you know, they, they got fired um, because of the you know, um, the, the infamous barbecue at Bruce Pearl's house and, um, Bruce Pearl misleading slash lying to the NCAA uh, about it. Um, you know, with Aaron, with Aaron Kraft, just so for people that need the memory refresher, that was the Aaron Kraft situation. Sure. Um, I remember back then I was hosting a trivia night on Monday night football. Trivia? What? Trivia time? I would host trivia time. I was I was way ahead of trivia time. I was actually hosting trivia nights at a at a local bar for Monday night football and, and it was a disaster. But um you know coaches would come into Memphis to recruit and I'd be like I'm you know I'm going to be at the bar tonight if you if you want to come by. And so like I, I, Shaka Smart came by one time and Richard Patino came by one time. And Forbes would come by all the time and because uh, he was at Tennessee at the time. They recruited Memphis. And so I remember a Monday night, Forbes was there. He was an assistant at Tennessee, and Richard Patino was there. He was an assistant at Florida at the time, if I remember correctly. And so it's me, Forbes, and, and Richard hanging out, and I could just tell something was off. Like, like Forbes was not being his normal self. And – what I subsequently found out is the following day was when Bruce Pearl was going to hold that press conference to acknowledge that he had lied to the NCAA about a impermissible visit at his home, the the one involving, like you mentioned, Aaron Kraft. And that, that happened mid-season. And they continued to coach and yeah. do their job. Um, and it just sort of became a you know, a bigger story seemingly every week to the point where Tennessee, after initially insisting it was going to stand by Bruce and his staff, they you know, decided to remove Bruce and his staff. And when Bruce gets fired, you know, he's been making millions of dollars and he gets like a million dollar buyout. Like he he had a a parachute, if you will. But the rest of that staff, Steve Forbes, uh Jason Shea, uh, Tony Jones, 
you know, they had been living the lifestyle that you can live when you make what they were making, $250,000, whatever it was. And then suddenly they're out of a job and they get show causes. They can't get hired at an NCAA school and they get no buyout at all. And Forbes and Shea and their families, like, you know, were just scrambling. And they moved to Northwest Florida State, a junior college where they were making a fraction of what they were making at Tennessee. Like, these were hard times, relatively speaking. I remember at one point, and I hope I'm not getting too personal here, um, but, but like Forbes didn't know if he was going to lose his house or not. And Knox, he had a nice home, and then suddenly you have no income to support that mortgage. And just a, a, a nice part of the story, when, when he was at Texas A&M on Billy Gillespie's staff, he also worked with Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams was on that staff as well. And Forbes had told me once that Buzz had offered to pay his mortgage. Like, if you need me to cover this until you get back on your feet, um, I, I got you. Which just sort of speaks to who Buzz Williams is as a person. But, I, you know, obviously they hold it together okay. And then get the, you know, they're at Northwest Florida State and, and they're doing well. And then Greg Marshall ends up with an opening on, a, on his staff after the show calls expires and ends up hiring uh, Forbes to fill that spot. And he helps them build, you know, Wichita State into what Wichita State became and ultimately gets the East Tennessee State job. But to go from being fired in 2011 as an assistant coach and not knowing if you'll ever be a division one head coach you know at any level based on what just happened which was by the way no fault of of his you know this was a barbecue at bruce pearl's house uh, uh, uh involving a recruit that bruce pearl himself was recruiting i'm not trying to uh, assign blame here but like w- what they actually got in trouble for like had nothing to do with forbes at all and to go from that moment to now you're a head coach in the ACC at the school where Tim Duncan and Chris Paul played. That's a pretty awesome thing. Like I really, you know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't be happier for him and his family because um, there was a time where it wasn't, it, it, it seemed unlikely something like this would ever happen, you know, uh, and for it to happen is, is a pretty awesome deal. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, for the Wake Forest fans who are listening to this, and I'm sure there are, are plenty of you, you're going, you're getting a coach who carries a really strong reputation for his just his ability to to coach in general, uh, no doubt about it. But um, I think it would be f- reasonable to expect where uh, Danny Manning as a person has a wonderful reputation as well. He just wasn't as out there in front. He just didn't know as many people in the college basketball media. Wake Forest wasn't winning. They just weren't relevant. They just weren't discussed much. They weren't brought up as much. Uh, that probably won't be the case with Forbes, who is who is a uh, a very a very good quote, uh, a very uh, talented coach, and figures. Even though it's a tough job, no doubt about it, uh, figures to be in position uh, to really bring Wake back to a spot where it can be uh, somewhat frequently in contention in the top third of the ACC, and that's not going to be an easy thing. But and I don't know what, you know, I, I'm not privy to the discussions that Forbes had with Athletic Director John Curry. Oh, by the way, I will note that of all the candidates, Forbes was the only one with the direct tie to Curry since they both worked at Tennessee. Everyone else that was in the pool had some sort of connection in one way or another to Wake Forest, whereas Forbes, 
And sometimes these things can they can pay off down the road. You never you never you know when he was when they were at both ten, at Tennessee and they, who who knows where their lives would have gone. So this is was a situation where sometimes yes this can actually benefit you. And I'm not saying that's why you got the job, but that was uh, very much a a, a thread to, uh, to to look at there. When you if if Forbes is going to be good at Wake Forest and if he's going to be there for eight, ten, twelve years, if you want to be excited for, for being a Wake Forest fan, we'll take a look at the ACC right now. Okay, you've got Leonard Hamilton, north of 70, Mike Krzyzewski, north of 70, Jim Beheim, north of 70, Mike Bray, who has told me that the contract that he is on, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I want to say there's like five years left on it or something like that. This He expects this to be his final contract. Now, I did tell Mike when he told me this, the coaches say this all the time, why don't you come talk to me when there's two years or a year left on the deal? He laughed, admitted that might be the case, but still could be on his way out. Jim Laranega... North of 70 as well. Boston College is going to have a reboot there. And then just because of the way these things go, let's look up three years from now. wouldn't surprise me if we were to see, you know, potentially Georgia Tech uh, have, a, have a coaching change. If we were to see Clemson potentially have a coaching change. The point I'm getting at is fast forward to 2024, 2025, um, you could have more than half of the ACC in new coaching situations. And plenty of those coaching situations could be – uh, significant challenges. Not to say that like once Mike Krzyzewski leaves Duke, that Duke can't still be a top 10 program. Of course it still can, but we got to see how that's going to look. So if you get Forbes now, take one or two years to really build it up, then you get some momentum going by 2023, 2024, and you got Wake Forest operating as, as a top five, top six program in the ACC, then you can really create something of a foothold there. So just keep that in mind going forward. There's a lot of reason for optimism within the league, even though it's a stacked stacked coaching league and this is not going to be easy wake forest uh opts to decide to hire the guy who has been incredibly successful i mean he although east tennessee state didn't play in the ncaa tournament because there was no ncaa tournament this season etsu did win the auto bid out of the socon They, they actually had the benefit of finishing their postseason schedule as a conference before the season was halted on march 12th so he does have two auto bids to the tournament to his name in the past five seasons and the 30 wins were the second most in the sport uh last season only to gonzaga's 31 gp so yeah, he's got a he's got a very um, he's got a very interesting story, and I think you you laid out effectively what he's gone through, and and the fact that he's now landed here as the head coach at Wake Forest is is certainly a, a great turnaround. And those who knew him, particularly, you know, you're talking 2008, 2010, 2012, uh, to see where he is now. Yes, it is absolutely a success story. Um, and, and, you know, not that it's totally uncommon, and this is to a, to a lesser extent, but it, it kind of reminds me of Rob Senderoff, who is the, who's been the head coach at Kent State, who was on Kelvin Sampson's staff at Indiana, and he was uh, hit with the show cause, and he was, you know, blacklisted might be a little too tough of a term, but he was out of the sport for a number of years, didn't wind up impacting him ultimately because he was able to get back in the game has been able to be a successful coach at Kent State as well and so it's nice to see every so often when you have a coach that gets caught in the crosshairs and through circumstances beyond their control sensibility went out character went out you know track record went out so like sender off at Kent State Forbes now at Wake Forest it's a great comeback story Another reason to be encouraged if you're a Wake Forest fan is that sometimes when you hire um, a a quote-unquote mid-major coach, you're hiring somebody 
to suddenly do a job unlike anything they've ever done. Like they're going to be recruiting in a totally different on a totally different aisle. Uh, with Forbes, it's just not true. Like I mentioned, he's recruited at the highest level at, at Tennessee, at at Texas A and M. You know, he was bringing a top 100, at least one top 100 prospect to Wichita State when that wasn't a normal thing. So he he's he he won't have to learn how to recruit at the highest level of the sport. He has spent much of his career recruiting at the highest level of the sport. So that should be an easy transition. Um, I've had a couple and we and we touched on this on a previous podcast, I, I guess, on Saturday when the Wake Forest job opened. People, a couple of people asked me, hey, if you're Forbes, would you have done this? Like, would you have taken Wake Forest or waited for something else? And I do think it's a reasonable question to mm-hmm. ask, like. He'd have probably been a, a better fit at Clemson. Like, does Clemson? Do you wait and see if Clemson opens next after next season? Yeah. Um. He's from Iowa. You know, Iowa State fans aren't uh, thrilled with the program in its current state. Do you wait and see if Iowa State opens after next season? Like, he would have been in play for both of those jobs if they did open. And in the meantime, East Tennessee State. I don't know if they're gonna win thirty games again, but they're gonna be really, really good again. So um, it's possible you could have, um, you know, said, yeah, let, let's wait and see if something better opens. Essentially what Dan Hurley did uh, a few years back, like he's offered Rutgers and decided I'll just stay at Rhode Island and trust that I'll be good again and a better job will open. And then, of course, a better job opens. It's UConn and he gets that job. So there's some thought that maybe he could have been a little more patient, but I guess I would just say – at the age of fifty, um, you know, with you know, you're always one torn ACL away from your season going the wrong way. Um, I mean, it, it's one nineteen-year-old making an incredibly poor decision that, for whatever reason, reflects badly on you and can can hinder your ability to get a big-time job. It's just. I don't know, burden of hand type thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're if you're 50 years old and you were fired nine years ago, if suddenly you're offered a ACC job, you know, making in excess of a million dollars a year, you just have to. T- I think you got to take that, right? Y- yes, uh, you do. Um, you're right. And listen, ETSU should be good again. And and frankly, you know, if you look at another coach who was you know, up for the job, you know, Wes Miller gets that benefit now in that, you know, he's got a player, Isaiah Miller, who's, who's looking at, you know, he's testing the waters, but I don't think there's really any chance that, that that's going to happen. I think that uh, Isaiah Miller will return. And so with that, you know, UNC Greensboro has its strongest, most talented team on paper returning next season. And this is coming off a 23 win season where, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking next year and, and you know, I'm not uh, – listen, Brad Brownell has a great season. They, they should keep him. Brad Brownell has an amazing reputation as a human being. Uh, but just to use your example of Clemson, if that's open, like th- this is very much the situation where you've got a good team anyway – so you return to a familiar spot. You can be, you can win big again, and still have opportunities. So it was where Forbes did the right. I would, I would take this, it, particularly if you can win big at Wake Forest again. We talked about uh, a couple podcasts ago. <laughs> Dave Odom 
is the most successful coach in the history of that program, and it's because of a mere six-season run and, of course, bringing in one of really one of the five to ten best college players of the past 30 years as well, having part of the program there with Duncan. So uh, Forbes makes the right move there, but just because other guys didn't get it doesn't mean that you can't have opportunities there as well. I did want to bring up something, GP. Mm. It started after we started the podcast, but we'll talk about it now because we talked about this offline, and now Goodman is, is has put it out there, Jeff Goodman. He says, sources, Wake Forest believes it does not have to pay Danny Manning the $15 million he had on his existing deal because he failed to meet certain criteria. Been told Wake feels it owes Manning less than half the $15 million. The two sides could wind up going to court or settling. Two thoughts and a question for you. First thought on, on all this was when you brought it up was this reminds me of the Kevin Ollie versus UConn situation. Not It's not a direct parallel because uh, UConn also had NCAA issues, and so that was a lot of what it, it was dealt with. That stuff hasn't even – that hasn't not even been finalized, by the way, but it's, it's a brutal situation with an alumnus in UConn and – a severing that I honestly don't think can ever be fixed and will have impacts on some of the high-profile alumni to come out of UConn. This is similar in that you've got a school that has fired a coach and under circumstances from the outside looking in appear to be flimsy, but still going to say we don't have to try and pay you. The other thought I had was, okay, this also goes a long way to explaining why we waited until the end of April and John Curry made this move because clearly he, the president, and, and any of the other power players at Wake Forest must have had discussions saying, okay, we need, we know we need to make a change with our program. And if we do that, uh, it's not like we absolutely can't afford the buyout if we have to have it. Clearly they can. They wouldn't do this without that option. But is there a real case to be made? Obviously, at this point, Parrish, they think there is. And this is the ugly part of the stuff. Because you know what? Danny Manning, rightfully so, is going to want his damn money. And he may well damn get it. Because when you look at the history of this, like Kansas and his coach, uh, Beatty, I think, went through this. And I want to say Pitt and Kevin Stallings also kind of got involved in this. Just your your quick thoughts since now it's been put out there and we can kind of discuss it uh, above the table, if you will about what will probably be a legal battle that will go on for the better part of a year now between Wake Forest and Danny Manning. Yeah, you and I talked about this yesterday off uh, offline. Uh, I was told, I guess, Monday that, yes, that, that, that Wake was going to try to not pay Danny the full buyout. My understanding is that they went to him weeks ago and, you know, basically said – I'm not saying this is the exact number, but it was a number like this. Like, we'll give you $6 million to settle. And he said no. And they said, well, then, you, you know, uh, more or less, you're going to have to fight us in court for the rest of your money because we are going to fire you for cause. And he says, oh, well, then we'll, we'll just end up in court. You know, like if I got to spend $200,000 – on lawyers to get an extra nine million, mm-hmm. well, then that's what I'm going to do. And so, yeah, this is going to be a, uh, a a situation that ends up in court, or they will settle for more than what was initially offered. Um, listen, without knowing the details, I would I, I, I'm reluctant to to comment on what I you know who's right and who's wrong here. Um, I will say that with the Kevin uh, Kevin Ali situation. I think UConn's fundamentally wrong. Like they, 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 
uh, you know, th- this is the same school that employed Jim Calhoun for crying out loud. You you can't act like now suddenly you can't have a person like Kevin Ollie run your program. And I say that with all due respect to Jim, but like get out of my face with this, right? Yeah. Like the school that employed Jim Calhoun uh, is trying to fire Kevin Ollie for cause for what is relatively speaking minor violations. Like come on, mm. pay pay the guy. It, listen, Kevin Ollie uh, turned out to be a a, a unsuccessful. A basketball coach after winning a national championship. I, I understand why you wanted to make a move, but like you owe him the money. You gave him the contract. You owe him the money. With this one, I, I frankly don't know what it is they're alleging Danny did to not meet the standards of his contract. But I will say that if it's small stuff like what UConn alleged um, as it related to Kevin Ollie. My opinion would be the same that that like, listen, this is not the reason you, you you know, this is not the reason you fired a basketball coach. Let's be honest, Um, unless there's something really big out there that we don't know about. um, Wake Forest fired a basketball coach for the same reasons most schools fire basketball coaches because the guy wasn't winning enough. That's why Danny Manning was fired. And so if if they if if there's something else there that gives them um, a legal path to not paying the buyout, well, then congratulations, you got lucky. But if they're just trying to nitpick little words in a contract to get out of this, um, or, 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 or threatening, um, or, or just like using the attempt at making him fight for his money in an, in an mm-hmm. attempt to get him to settle for less money, like I, I think all of that's uh, poor form. If I, that is what's going, yeah, on. yeah, I think it's small. I think it's I think it's yeah. petty, and I don't think that. Listen again. With the obvious stipulation that unless there is something very significant here, or short of, short of the two parties, uh, and, and, here's what here's the way I would put it: unless okay. there's something there that would cause you to fire Danny Manning, even if Danny Manning just made three straight NCAA tournaments, mm. I, 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 then I think you're in the wrong. Right, and and and, and barring the absolute. <laughs> almost zero percent chance that Danny Manning and his lawyer or lawyers say, you know what? Okay, let's just let's just split for ten mil and, and avoid all this. I just don't think that's going to happen either. Wake Forest is ultimately going to have to wind up paying uh, that that fifteen uh, north of fifteen million dollar buyout over the course of, of five years. And and if, and if that's the here's here by the way, we can kind of put a bow on this podcast, if you will. Um, don't have the figures yet for Forbes. My guess, my and it's a private school, so they won't disclose the salary. But I'd say that Forbes to Wake is probably going to be about 1.5 annually, uh, somewhere in that ballpark. And the situation that's going to play out at Wake Forest for the next five years is that Wake Forest will be paying Danny Manning approximately or in the neighborhood of twice the salary annually of the man who's actually coaching his program. That's why... Uh, Ron Wellman, in part, is no longer the athletic director at the school. He was the one responsible for that hiring and that contract, and it serves as a as a lesson to really any AD out there. Hey, if the agents want to get it done, they can go ahead and get it done. Um, but for the most part, this is uh, this should be a uh, this should just be a, it should be a warning sign. I mean, beyond anything else, I think that's what uh, that's what we sh- what we should remember. But shouts to. Uh, Rick Smith and, and Dan Ivaloff, who have represented Manning for his entire career and getting that done, I, I can't see any way in which they don't allow this ultimately to, to get paid back to Manning. I don't think Wake has a leg to stand on, but that will be something to, to, to keep track of going forward because it wouldn't surprise me if I wound up going to court. Uh, if the number is $1.5 million on average, if it's a five-year contract, that's $7.5 million guaranteed. 
uh, again, just to circle back to the initial point, uh, to go from being fired as an assistant coach in 2011 to fire to to signing a contract in 2020 worth 7.5 million dollars to be the head coach mm. at an ACC school where Tim Duncan used to play is a pretty uh, pretty awesome deal. So shouts to Steve Forbes and uh, shouts to Devin Downey, of course. Shouts to Chester, Chester South Carolina. Shouts to Kathleen from Chester, South Carolina. I saw this. <laughs> I saw. Wait a second. Well, let's we can wrap. But I saw that I I was doing a little bit of work. I saw the tweet you were referring to. A tweet you had. Um, who is this person, and how how have we discovered that she's from okay, South so, Carolina? So, um, like last night, my wife is my my wife. Um, this is weird to me. She will watch any episode of anything with no context context for the show. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Okay. So, like, she will – like, the Better Call Saul season finale, she doesn't watch Better Call Saul. But she watched it with me and, like, enjoyed it. She has no idea what's going on, <laughs> who's who. She she just has a, a unique ability to just mindlessly watch whatever's on television. She's fine with it. So last night she's uh, sitting on the couch and um, – she goes, well, come sit down with me. And I said, well, what are you watching? She's like, I don't know. She never knows what she's watching. <laughs> I said, and, and so I looked, I clicked the info thing, and it was Chicago Fire. I've never watched Chicago Fire. And so she's watching Chicago Fire. And it comes back from com- commercial, and I'm just sort of I, – I don't want to watch this, but I also – like I, my wife asked me to sit down. So I'm trying to be a good husband, right, in the middle of a pandemic. So I sit down, and I'm like, okay, I'll just watch this for a few minutes, and then I'll invent a reason that I have to get up, and, and then I can go upstairs and have a drink. So um, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching Chicago Fire, and oddly, like it's a, it, 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 it's a – surprisingly, it's a pretty interesting little scene that's going on here. So I, I don't know what it's about or who these people are, but I'm watching it, right? And then it goes to commercial, and a cricket commercial comes on. And I'm now I'm just watching a cricket commercial, cell phone service. And the first person in the commercial, it's got like all these customers. It's like uh, Matt from you know wherever, and Gary from Hernando, and it says uh, Kathleen from Chester, South Carolina. And I get weirdly Emotional? excited. Oh, okay, <laughs> weirdly excited. Yes. Yeah. And I and and I hit pause on the on the on the thing. And I back it up, and I'm like, I, I got it. Because they don't say Chester, South Carolina. It's just on the screen, just in small print. You were locked in on I'm, this commercial, man. You were. You and were I'm like, okay. I'm like, did, I'm like, did I, did I see this right? And so I back up, and I see it, and then I back it up again. I'm trying to pause, and my wife is like, um, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and I said, "I said this from Chester, South Carolina," <laughs> and, she, and she's like. Why does that matter? And I said, you don't listen to the podcast. Does not listen. No five-star <laughs> review. Come said, on, Kelly. I said, Kelly, I will tweet this, and thousands of people will smile and know exactly what I'm talking about, and you have no idea why that's important to me, do you? And she said, well, uh, and I said, I'm not watching Chicago Fire. I'm going upstairs. <laughs> so that was my out. Her total lack of respect for Chester, South Carolina – um, was my reason to get not have to watch Chicago Fire. It's disrespectful, okay? It's, it's totally, disrespectful. Totally disrespectful. <laughs> um, li- listen, we uh, we occasionally once we are allowed to you know travel again uh, with a sense of real freedom and personal safety, uh, you know we'll, we'll obviously do the podcast here and there. But what I'm getting at is 
we we have never done a, a specific podcast dedicated to a to a location. It genuinely now means something to me that we we have to record an actual podcast in the in the in the hamlet of Chester, South Carolina, at some point. I don't know when it can happen. All I know is that it needs to happen, and we will somehow try to make it happen. Presumably around, by the way, a peach jam situation because it's it's, it's relatively drivable from there. So uh, this just your little. Uh, you know. Your little television encounter reminded me that when sunnier days are ahead, at some point, the Chester, South Carolina podcast has to happen. It probably has to be like a three-hour podcast. So we'll, we'll make it We'll make it happen. And, and then when whenever they retire Devin Downey's number at South Carolina, yes. we're going to go to that. That <laughs> like, without a doubt. Yeah. We're 100% going to South Carolina, <laughs> even though Devin Downey likely has no idea who we are. <laughs> I think I think uh, no. At this point, there's no way for him to not. People tweet him and yeah, he's like, got it all the time. We're we're in his Wikipedia page for crying love out loud. Love it, <laughs> I Devin love Downey. Yeah, shout out to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Kathleen from Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via. Apple Podcast, rated favorably, five stars, nice comments. That's all I've ever asked. And we will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast, And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.